0: Hi, I'm Jen White, and this is The Morning
1: Shift. Well, it's almost the weekend. Should be a great one weather-wise. So we've got a whole bunch of ideas for things you can see,
2: hear, and eat. This week's guest is living up to his nickname. I do have things that kind of, um, of course, are going to have a bit of a geeky slant to it. That's Chicago's
1: self-proclaimed king of geeks, Elliot Serrano. But first, a new report says lower-income minority areas in the Chicago area and throughout Illinois are losing out on millions of dollars in small business loans. The report is from Chicago's Woodstock Institute. The report also explains how that lack of investment translates into a loss of economic strength for those communities. Lauren Nolan, one of the study's co-authors and the former head of research at Woodstock Institute, Lays out some of the key findings.
3: So we looked at three things. First, we looked at lending, small business lending over time in Illinois since the year 2000. Uh, and we found that lending, of course, was ramping up and grew uh, leading up to the recession, and of course, bottomed out during the Great Recession, uh, bottoming out in 2010. Since then, recovery has been slow, but it's, it is recovering. But the story here is that un- recovery has been very uneven. So we looked at nine regions a- across uh, Illinois, including Chicago, as well as some of our downstate regions Bloomington, Carbondale, Urbana Champaign, uh, the Quad Cities, uh, Metro East, Peoria, Rockford, and Springfield. And we found that in our more downstate, smaller rural regions, lending really hasn't recovered, right? Um, In the Quad Cities in particular, lending levels were 42% below what they were in the year 2000. So that's kind of one of our main findings. The other two uh, sections of the report look at um, lending to small businesses based on the income level of the census tract in which – uh, loans were being made. And we find that um, low and moderate income communities, so communities uh, with uh, area median income, 80, 80% or less of the, the area median, um, re- did not receive their fair share of loans. Um, for example, in the state of Illinois, 27% of business addresses are located in low and moderate income census tracts, but they only receive 19% of loans. So put another way, uh, over the three-year period that we studied from 2015 to 2017, if LMI uh, businesses were getting their fair share of loans, they would have received an additional 47,000 loans over the three-year period, totaling over $618 million. So unfortunately, there is a, a gap in lending when we look at the income levels of different census tracts and who's receiving what loans.
1: Now, this report actually builds on a series of reports that was institute released in 2017. Explain a little bit more about how this report fits into that larger context.
3: Yeah. So back in 17, 2017, we did a nationwide study looking at eight large regions across the country, of which Chicago was one. And we found, unfortunately, that there are lending disparities um, by uh, income and, and racial ethnic composition of census tracts. So what our goal with this report is we wanted to do a deeper dive and look at Illinois, in particular, uh, get an update on how Chicago is doing, but then do a deeper dive into our smaller regions to understand how they are doing.
1: And what are some of the major implications of this new report, especially when we talk about the ripple effects of of this lack of investment in small businesses?
3: Absolutely. Um, So small businesses uh, need access to loans and access to capital to grow, to expand, to move into new markets, to purchase materials, to hire new workers, to manage cash flow. And without access to capital, they can't do those things. And Uh, Access to capital is particularly important when you consider um, small businesses that are just starting up, and in particular, um, entrepreneurs and small business owners in areas where there aren't a lot lot of jobs, right? it's it's Small businesses with access to capital and the ability to grow can create jobs for their community. So it's particularly disheartening to see that there um, is a lack of lending and a lack of recovery in lending in our smaller rural downstate regions where job growth and recovery post-recession has been sluggish. And it's particularly troubling to see this lack of access to capital in our communities of color and our lower income communities. Because again, job access can be a challenge there. And small businesses and entrepreneurs are create opportunities in community if they have the, the proper tools to do so.
1: I want to bring a couple of other voices into this conversation. Joining me now on the phone is Jemiah Beard, CEO and founder of Mary's Master Cleaning Service. Also with us here in studio is Tiffany Williams, owner of Exquisite Catering and Events and Exquisite T- To Go. And welcome to you both. Hi, thank you for having me. Jemiah, rather, your business is based in, in Champaign, and it was one of the businesses highlighted in this new report. Tell us a little bit about your experience trying to access capital for your business.
4: So one of the issues that I had to go through was trying to access capital was I would have thought me coming in with two large contracts, numbers over a 100,000 executed contracts going into my traditional community bank using that as collateral will work, especially knowing typically they want businesses to have two years worth of work history, which sometimes, you know, if you're just starting off with a year, luckily I was able to secure two large contracts three months after my business was established. Um, But if you don't have that two years worth of work history, what are you supposed to do? Um, But me coming in, bringing those executed contracts, I would have thought that that would have been, okay, here's evidence showing that these companies want to give me the opportunity. They're signed. Okay. Is there an opportunity for me to get capital? No, it it wasn't. Um, I had to go through so many loops and I'm actually still going through those loops and still facing challenges. It even came to a point where I even thought about terminating my contracts because I was afraid I wasn't going to have the capital that I needed to float my payroll to get my equipment by the time my contract started. So it's very frustrating and it's discouraging to know that bringing these executed contracts in is not still not enough for me to bring it to my traditional and community bank saying hey (laughs) <laughs> they're, they're giving me an opportunity. Can you all help
1: me out? And I see Tiffany here in studio nodding along yes. with us. And, and Tiffany, I'm curious about your experience as a small business owner here in Chicago.
0: I, I totally agree with her. And I actually got emotional hearing her story because that is all of our stories as small businesses. We have the ability to execute the larger contracts. We have the experience, a lot of us. Um, my background has been over 18 years in the industry professionally, and to know that we can't come to the door with these larger numbers and these larger contracts and these bigger names if we're doing things for financial institutions, those are institutions that still aren't ready to lend to us. And, and I agree and, um, in the sense of we had uh, two years of financials to start off with when we started Exquisite to Go, but it got to the point where I didn't think that I could open the doors because we didn't have enough cash flow. And it was also to the point where if we don't open this week, we probably won't open at all. Mm. So we're still struggling to try to recover from that. We need the walking traffic to come in the doors at the 111 Food Hall. I think all three businesses could benefit from it. But in addition to that, we've also had the opportunity to scale up. I have a second location that's opening that I'm seeking more capital for, uh, opportunity to create more jobs opportunity to increase stability in two different neighborhoods bring in some vibrance in our neighborhoods and we're still having trouble accessing the capital to go ahead and do it. Jemiah if you had access to the capital
1: you're seeking what would that allow you to do in your business?
4: A lot actually. I can go for more contracts which will help me create more jobs. I'm heavily involved in the community I am, and all of my technicians are returning citizens, I guess. I go to homeless centers and give people their opportunities, just regular community members that just need an opportunity and people are coming to me and I feel bad because I can't provide them with opportunity because I can't even get the opportunity to go for the opportunity because of the financial institutes not giving me access to capital.
1: And so. Tiffany, you were actually able to expand your business recently through a project spearheaded by the nonprofit Chicago Neighborhood Initiatives. You mentioned 111 Food Hall. Talk about how that works.
0: 111 uh, Food Hall uh, is the first food hall on the south side of Chicago. Three African-American business owners, restauranteurs opened in this space. Um, When we were, the idea of it was brought to me, I was very invested in the fact that C&I wanted to invest in us and the stability of uh, restaurants in that neighborhood. And when they said they would fund the build-out of the space, it's something that I couldn't personally fund at all. So I did have to uh, seek more capital for our equipment. And you know our startup costs; so those are things that you know, as as a business owner, you know you need those things. You just have to seek it out. But CNI was also an investor with the micro loan, so it kind of worked uh, really well for us to, for for us to get involved in that project. And through that, we've already been offered to expand in different locations. But again, getting the stability over there to be able to expand and getting more capital to be able to uh, hire and do another startup. Um, that's where we're stuck right now.
1: Lauren, when you hear about how Jemiah and Tiffany have struggled to access capital, I'm, I'm curious if the report uncovered why this is happening.
3: The data that we use in this report come from um, data that large financial institutions or banks need to submit to um, the federal government as part of the Community Reinvestment Act. And actually one of the recommendations in the report is that they should expand the data points that they need to report because um, it's very limited, right? It it just gives you the number of loans originated, the amount and where. It doesn't even tell you the number of applications, number of denials. So one of our recommendations is we need better data to understand the why. But we think there's a few things going on here. You know, unfortunately, given the pervasiveness of the, um, the lending gaps, when you look at low and moderate income communities and communities of color, um, we're concerned there's some, there's some racial discrimination going on here. Um, and we think that's driving it that's one of our calls in the report is that um, the Consumer Financial Protection Bureau, the CFPB, and the Department of Justice do an investigation to understand if racial discrimination is what's driving this.
1: And, and just place this in a larger historical context. We saw recent reports come out about um, uh, the wealth gap uh, for African Americans, We, we uh, discri- uh, discrimination in housing and access uh, to building wealth through housing. Place it within that larger context.
3: Absolutely, right? The, all of those things are contributing to this larger issue. And especially when you think about small- business owners, a lot of them tap their personal assets to help fund their small business. They might take a home equity loan or or maybe go to family members or other friends or just draw down from their personal wealth to build their businesses. And we know that um, when we think about the history of redlining and housing discrimination and the recent financial crisis and predatory lending, we know those trends hit low-income communities and communities of color very hard. So a lot of small business owners in these communities don't have the ability to draw down on, on home equity, don't have the personal wealth to help create their businesses. So that's why it's so important that they have these opportunities to get traditional financing through large financial t- institutions. And so disheartening that these gaps continue to exist.
1: Just really quickly, we have just about a minute left. Tiffany and, and Jamaya, I'd love to hear your advice for other small business owners out there right now who may be struggling to access capital. Jamal, I'll come to you first.
4: I found uh, the Black Chamber of Commerce was very helpful with trying to um, seek out a financial institute to try to help uh, get me capital, and I was able to secure um, some funding. So I will reach out to any um, local organizations like that, reach out to local resources. I know it may not seem like there is much out there for us but
1: there is Uh, and really quickly just i want to jump to tiffany before we have to wrap
0: up yeah i definitely agree uh your local chamber of commerce i personally am in a network with a university co-worker here in chicago who has given me great information um and uh even in building your personal credit and your business credit uh, which is where the banks are looking first so Get on top of those type of things, start reaching out. There are things out here, like she said, that are gonna help us, but we have to go ahead and do the research and go to these chambers of commerce. Lauren Nolan is co-author of a new study from Woodstock Institute
1: that reveals widespread racial and economic disparities in small business lending in the Chicago region and throughout Illinois. Also in studio with us this morning, Tiffany Williams, owner of Exquisite Catering and Events and Exquisite to Go. And we also had Jemiah Beard. CEO and founder of Mary's Master Cleaning Service in Champagne. Thanks to you all. Thank you. Thanks for having us on. Well, the weekend is almost here, and that means you may be on the lookout for some fun and exciting weekend plans. Maybe you're looking to try a new cuisine or find out what bands are in town. Or maybe you just want to do something different. So for our series, See, Here, Eat, we check in with people in the know for their recommendations to help you get the most out of everything Chicago has to offer. Joining me now with his recommendations on what to see, hear, and eat in Chicago this weekend is writer Elliot Serrano, also known as Chicago's King of Geeks. Elliot, welcome back to the show. Oh,
2: thank you for having me. This is a—it's always a real pleasure. Well, first, tell me how you...
1: T- typically like to spend a weekend.
2: Well, um for those who know those of the nerdy persuasion, getting me to even go out is a chore, but okay. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but um I do have things that kind of um of course are going to have a bit of a geeky slant to it. I'm very attracted to uh, things that are colorful, funny, uh, cartoony, things that, in, you know, engage my fascination with pop culture. And, of course, you know, that's what a lot of folks are into these days. So you're, you're finding more and more of those types of offerings out there.
1: All right. Well, you have some recommendations for things happening this weekend. So let's get into it, starting with things to
2: see. Okay, so the thing that I love about Chicago is that there are so many great theater companies and performance companies, and not just the big ones you know they 're small um, in smaller theaters, smaller venues. One of the up and coming ones is the um, the other world theater, the improvised Dungeons and Dragons. Now, for those who only know Dungeons and Dragons from the kids on stranger things playing it. Uh, role-playing games have become very popular. Lots of folks are picking that up again in their homes, playing it on the tabletop. Well, with Improvised Dungeons & Dragons, they've taken the game of D&D and they've combined it with improv. So you'll have a cast of characters being led by a guest dungeon master. This is someone they'll recruit from you know, show to show mm-hmm. to come in and basically put the characters through their paces. And for an evening, you get to see... You know, a performance based on D and D and whatever crazy things the dungeon master can come up with. Well,
1: that sounds like fun. So that's the Other World Theater at three nine one four North Clark Street. Next, you've got it sounds theater ask also at the Other World Theater. Tell us, tell us what that's about.
2: Well, the thing that a lot of folks may not realize about geek and nerd culture is we're very much into burlesque as well. A lot of folks in burlesque are very geeky, very nerdy, and there are a few burlesque companies in Chicago. Out of the Otherworld Theater is a P.S. Burlesque. And they will be doing um, Dorothy Does Oz, (laughs) which is essentially a a burlesque parody of The Wizard of Oz. And um, if if you've never seen a geeky burlesque show, I'm telling you, they're a lot of fun. The thing I really enjoy about it is because you can tell these performers, these gals are putting these shows on. They have a real love and appreciation for what they're parodying. Mm. And it's not just them poking fun at it. It's just having fun with it. Um, So... um, go out and see these gals. They, show, they have a lot of passion for the material and, and their performances. And there's another show that's running through the month? Crescent Moon Burlesque. They're also doing different uh, shows. For them, though, the thing I really like about them is just, well, first, Crescent Moon Burlesque was founded by a bunch of the former performers who left uh, Gorilla Tango Burlesque. A mm-hmm. um, lot of controversy surrounding that. But these gals have gotten together to form uh, their own troupe and pretty much put out some great body positive LGBTQ supportive performances and and pretty much promote an atmosphere of that which I really like to I really want to you know folks to support them and get get to know more about them but they have shows running throughout the the month as well okay so speaking of poking fun at things there's another um,
1: C recommendation you have for us it pokes fun at a really well known action series
2: <laughs> yes. It's called The One, A Matrix Musical Parody. Okay. And this one's out of the, the Den Theater. Um, I actually am—I know Laura Marsh, who was the creator and started writing the production. She started about a year ago, and she'll tell you she uh, that when the idea hit her one day, she just said, oh, let's do a musical that... That has to do with the Matrix, and we'll call it the the Matrix musical. And since then, she thought, "Oh, that that's just the, the title that sticks with it." I love that it's it's it has among other things um, puppets in it. Okay, rap <laughs> battles, dancing, and puppets. How can you beat that? <laughs>
1: This is The Morning Shift, and with The weekend coming up, we're talking about some of the great things you can see here and eat around the city over the next few days. And with me with his recommendations is writer Elliot Serrano. Okay, so let's move on to things we
2: can hear. So this one here, people are going to wonder, why did I bring up, if I'm a geeky guy, Uh why am I mentioning the Festival Cubano at Reese Park? Well, again, I'm also Puerto Rican. And looking at all the different things that appeal to me and and also seeing that the Festival Cubano is featuring Julian Jumpin Perez, who is a legend here in Chicago, you know, for the years he's been spinning plates, you know, on the radio. Uh, That is something that it's going to be an entire weekend featuring artists having a Caribbean and Hispanic slant to their music. Uh, You've got um, the Buena Vista Social Club. You've got Hector El Torito Acosta. Um, And it's a whole weekend of celebrations that you, you know, with, uh, call it, just call it, you can call it kind of the Latin Lollapalooza in in a way.
1: And there's probably some good eats there too, huh? Oh, yeah.
2: Lots of eats and I believe they're going to have arcade games there as well.
1: Okay. Now your next recommendation for things to hear, it feels like it would probably appeal to people who like things, like cuddly, furry things. Oh, yes.
2: And I am a huge fan of cats. I mean, I myself do have, I am a, a cat dad for one of those famous internet cats. Really? Yeah. Uh, can, can
1: you tell us which cat?
2: Um, His name is Sinbad. Sinbad the Survivor. So you're you... Sinbad's dad? I'm Sinbad's dad, yeah. Oh. He's my little man. And uh, there was a time when people recognized me for my work for Red Eye and my geek stuff. And now I get stopped in the street. They go, hey, you're Sinbad's dad, aren't you? <laughs> uh, I'll take it. I'll take it. But uh, the Cat Cade on Belmont, they're having a fundraiser. It's called the Meet My Cat fundraiser for Cat Cade featuring uh, DJ Erica. Uh, It's taking place at the G-Man Tavern. And if you've never been to the Catcade, it's essentially an arcade lounge uh, cafe where you can play video games and hang out with adoptable cats. And it's uh, the thing that amazes me about this place is that you can sit and play video games and the cat doesn't lie on the controls (laughs) and and interrupt your gameplay. It
1: just it just wants to hang out. Just Just wants to hang hang out. out. All right. So let's turn now
2: to things to eat. See, now, there were so many things that I could have got into with this. But, again, I had to go with the geeky bent, you know, things that appeal to me kind of as a nerd. And I don't know how many people have discovered the Cafe Tola. Which is a, a, a number of, of taquerias and place uh, around the city of Chicago they just opened one near my office on North LaSalle Street in the River North area and I remember walk when I first walked in um, they have uh, little stickers featuring the Imperial Guard from you know the Return of the Jedi uh-huh. and uh, posters up uh, among them the Beastmaster which I didn't think Anybody remembered Beastmaster. <laughs> yeah, it's yeah. not
1: one that pops to mind yeah, right away, right? right.
2: And, of course, they had the Golden Voyage of Sinbad, which is like I had to – at this point, I had to um, give these folks a shout-out because not only are they appealing to really my childhood, but, oh, goodness. Um, if you go there, you must have the breakfast tacos. And the breakfast tacos there are just, just something they're, – they're very filling. They're flavorful. Um, I like the pancito con huevo. Which is um, uh, pork belly, uh, scrambled eggs, and beans served on a flour tortilla. It's fresh, it's very tasty. You can get one, it'll fill you up. Do they have
1: vegetarian options? Yes, there too? they do
2: have the veggie con huevo, too. It's a, they have seasonal vegetables with scrambled eggs and a flour tortillas. I'm not sure about vegan options. Mm -hmm. Um, That's something I'm trying to actually explore more myself uh, as I'm moving in that direction. Okay. That sounds like a great recommendation
1: for (laughs) for Eats. Um, I'm on board for that. Any other recommendations for us?
2: Again, if you just want a cup of of coffee Mm -hmm. and you want to hang out, Um, The Wormhole Cafe on Milwaukee is a very popular spot. I love going there because being able to look over my shoulder and see the time-traveling DeLorean from Back to the Future up above me is always a lot of fun. Um, If you're willing to make a trek out to the Burbs and go to Elgin, the Blue Box Cafe is uh, the Midwest's uh, first and only Doctor Who-themed coffee shop. And they have great food, great coffee, things to do. And I cannot push enough local comic shops in the city of Chicago, namely um, Challengers Comics, and conversation where they always have great events going on there. Nothing coming up the, coming up this weekend, but if you go there, talk to uh, Patrick and Dal, they're going to give you a great atmosphere to tell you about the, all the great books that are out. Um, talk to your kids if you're trying to encourage your kids to read uh, new comics. They have always they have great recommendations there as well as a reading nook for young kids.
1: So for folks who maybe have their weekend plans set already, are there one or two events coming up in maybe the next couple of weeks that you want to throw, throw out on our radar? Ooh,
2: big ones coming up right now. Um, the the biggest one that I'm actually involved with. Imagine being able to bowl with Svengooley. Local legend, Rich Coase, is gonna be participating with the American Association of Zookeeper Lincoln Park Chapter Bowling for Rhinos event. It's gonna be happening later this month in, in August. It's gonna be at the Diversey Bowl. If you Google AZAC Lincoln Park Chapter, Bowling for Rhinos. There's bowling, uh, pizza, uh, prizes, raffles, and you get to hang out with national legend yeah. Rich Coes. Yeah. People will stand in line for hours to meet Rich as Spangoolie at Comic Cons and like at the recent uh, flashback convention. Uh, you're not going to stand in line, line for hours to meet him. You're going to get to hang out with him, bowl with him, chit-chat if you want. The thing is... He comes as his alter ego. So there you go. He comes as rich. He doesn't come as Sven. So that way you actually get a little more one-on-one time with him.
1: And it sounds like a a really good family-friendly event. Great
2: family-friendly event. And it goes to support a good cause, which is rhino conservation.
1: That's Elliot Serrano. He's a writer and self-proclaimed king of geeks. We've been talking about some of the great things you can see, hear, and eat around the city over the next few days. Elliot, thanks for stopping by. Thank you so much. And that's today's morning shift. Come back tomorrow for the Friday News Roundup. We'll unpack the week's biggest stories in and around Chicago. Until then, I'm Jen White. Thanks for listening. Let's talk again soon.